Chapter Five of the Lady of the North Star by Otwell Binns. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A revelation. Joy Gargrave did not begin her story immediately. For a full two minutes they walked on, environed by the solemn pine woods and enveloped in the strange white silence of the north. The corporal waited, and at last the girl spoke. "'You wonder why I was sitting on the bank, crying?' "'Yes,' he replied frankly. "'I was wondering why you should do that, though I may tell you that I already have an idea.' "'You already have an idea?' the girl's tones, as she echoed his question, betrayed surprise. "'Yes,' he answered, and thrusting a hand inside his fur paca, he produced a note which he had found, and held it towards her. He saw from her face that she recognized it, and he continued slowly, "'You see, I found this last night, not far from the place where Kuna Dick was lying. I did not know to whom it had been written, and if I had known, I am afraid duty would have compelled me to read it. If I am not mistaken, it was written to you, at any rate. It bears your Christian name.' "'It was written to me,' answered the girl quickly. "'It is mine.' And the writer of it? Was he Kona Dick? Yes, was the reply. Corporal Bracknell glanced at the note, and his eyes were fixed upon the half-erased signature. Tell me, he said, what is Kona Dick's name? I mean the second half of his name, which he had begun to write, apparently, from force of habit, and then crossed out. I am afraid it will be something of a surprise to you, said the girl. "'Perhaps not so great a surprise as you think,' was the reply. "'I think I have already guessed. "'His name is the same as your own, Corporal. "'It is Bracknell.' "'Ah,' said the Corporal, in the tone of a man who had found his thoughts confirmed. "'Richard, ask Cam Bracknell, of course.' "'You have the name perfect,' answered Joy quietly. "'Of Harold Fell, Westmoreland, England,' inquired the Corporal. He was born there, replied the girl, and Sir James is his father, as you are his cousin. The corporal walked on a few paces without speaking, his eyes staring at a distant hill, and from the vacancy of their gaze it was evident that he was lost in thought. Joy Gargrave watched him curiously, and after a little time she spoke again. You did not know, you did not guess, until you saw that note? I had not the slightest idea. I knew that Kona Dick was an Englishman, that was all. But when I read the note last night, and recalled your acknowledged acquaintance with Harrow Fell and Sir James, I suspected. If you had known, you would not have undertaken to follow him, to take him prisoner, I mean. I could not very well have refused without resigning from the force. Perhaps you know how the oath of allegiance runs? Joy shook her head, and he quoted and will well and truly obey and perform all lawful orders and instructions, which I shall receive, as such, without fear, favor, or affection, of or towards any person. So help me God. The girl shivered a little. It is a hard service, yours, she said, and you would have arrested your cousin? My cousin, or any other man or woman. I have no choice in the matter. Duty, after all, is the greatest word in the language. 
Joy considered him thoughtfully. His lean face was stern, and there was a hard light in the unwavering gray eyes. It was clear to her that he meant just what he said, and that he would do whatever duty dictated without fear or favor. "'It is not everyone who would agree with you,' she replied. "'Your cousin, for instance, he—' "'Tell me,' he interrupted. "'What was Dick Bracknell to you?' This letter suggests an intimacy beyond that of mere acquaintance or friendship. "'You are right,' the girl answered quickly. "'He was my husband.' "'Good God!' As that expression of extreme amazement broke from him, Corporal Bracknell halted abruptly, looking at the beautiful girl by his side with incredulous eyes. "'It is quite true,' she said. "'I am Kona Dick's wife, or widow.' Still he did not speak, and watching him, the girl saw a flash of something like horror come into his eyes. "'And you went to meet him last night,' he said, at last, in a shaking voice. "'I have not said so,' answered the girl quickly. "'You have read the note, but you must not surmise.' "'I saw you,' broke in the corporal quickly. "'You saw me?' It was Joy Gargrave's turn to be astonished and as he looked at her it seemed to him that a fear was shining in her eyes. "'Yes, I saw you,' he answered mechanically. "'Where?' she demanded. "'You were coming out of the path between the woods. You had a rifle in your hand. There was a strange look upon your face. I was standing with my dogs in the shadow of a spruce, and you passed me without seeing me. I was about to speak to you, but the sight of your face kept me silent. It was that, and the thought of two shots which I had heard, which sent me along the path you had just left to investigate. At the end of it, I found Kona Dick. Dead? asked the girl sharply. He seemed so to me, was the reply. Indeed, I was quite sure that there was no life left in him, or I should have done my best to revive him and not have left him lying there in the snow. "'If he were dead, where is he now?' came the swift question. "'I do not know,' replied the corporal. "'The thing is a mystery to me. When I returned to the place with Mr. Rayner last night, the body had already disappeared.' "'But how could it do that if he were really dead?' objected his companion. "'Someone must have removed.' Corporal Bracknell stopped suddenly. It was clear to Joy that some new thought had just occurred to him. She saw that he was looking at her thoughtfully, and she wondered what was in his mind. "'What is it?' she asked quickly. "'What are you thinking?' "'Tell me,' he countered. "'Did you see your husband last night?' "'I did,' she answered frankly. "'And when I had said that Kuna Dick was lying dead in the snow, you left the table. You went out of the room, and you did not return.' He spoke like a man, pursuing a thought which seemed to him almost incredible, but which was thrust upon him by force of circumstances, and the girl divined what that thought was. "'You do not think that I went back,' she cried. "'You cannot think that I am responsible for the disappearance?' "'It is a natural thought,' he answered, "'though I am loath to believe it. You must remember that I saw your face as you came out of the path and that the man was your husband, though apparently your friends do not know it. My cousin, your husband. 
Oh, but you do not understand, cried the girl quickly. You do not realize that I would give all I have to know that the body of the man who was my husband was still where you first saw it. It is the uncertainty of the fact which troubles and worries me, not his death. Not his death? No, was the almost appalling reply. The certainty of that would be like a deliverance. For a little time, Corporal Bracknell stared at her, too much amazed for speech. It was clear to him that she was in deadly earnest, and that she meant every word she said. He wondered what marital tragedy was behind her attitude, and was still wondering when she spoke again in a hard voice. "'You seem surprised,' she said. "'You know your cousin fairly well?' "'Yes,' he answered, nodding his head. "'Then you cannot suppose that I loved him, even though he was my husband.' No girl could love Dick Bracknell when she knew him for what he was, and any woman, married as I was, would almost rejoice to know that, that she was released. "'You do not know what you are saying,' protested the corporal quickly. "'You cannot realize what implication your words may have to anyone who knows what I know. It would almost seem that you had wished for Dick Bracknell's death, and that fact, in view of the circumstances in which I found him last night, might assume a terrible significance.' "'You mean that people might think I shot my husband?' "'Yes,' was the reply. "'At least many people would ask that question.' "'And you?' inquired the girl. "'You have asked yourself that question?' "'Naturally,' replied Bracknell. "'You must remember that I saw you coming from the place where he was lying.' "'I wonder what conclusion you have reached,' said Joy, looking at him keenly. "'None was the prompt reply.' You are in doubt, then? I am very loath to believe what the circumstances would seem to indicate, answered the corporal quietly. As you must see, they are terribly against you, and your visit to the place this morning. You know of that. I saw you and Miss Lafarge come in while Mr. Rayner and I were at breakfast, and while you were supposed to be still in your rooms. I found your tracks in the snow. And you cannot guess why, I, why we went? No. We went to look for that note which you showed me just now. I had meant to destroy it, and missed it this morning. Then I remembered that I had put it in my pocket last night, and naturally concluded that I had lost it outside. That is the explanation of my journey this morning. No one here but Miss Lafarge has any idea that Dick Bracknell is my husband and I did not want any of them to know. Corporal Bracknell was conscious of a sense of relief. The explanation was so simple that he felt it to be altogether true. But there were questions that still required answering, and he proceeded to ask them. I can well believe that, he answered slowly. I suppose Mr. Rayner was among them from whom you wished to keep this knowledge? Yes, was the reply given frankly. I do not wish him to know how foolish I had been. The corporal remembered what Rayner had hinted as to his hopes of making Joy Gargrave his wife, and the girl's answer started fresh questions in his mind. Did she love Rayner 
and favor his aspirations, and knowing herself to be already a wife, had she deliberately removed the barrier which lay between them, but of which Rayner had no knowledge, he could not tell, and looking steadily at the girl, he proceeded to ask his next question. "'Miss Gargrave, I mean, Miss Brack—' "'No, no,' interrupted the girl. "'Do not give me that name. I do not want it. I hate it. Call me Gargrave.' He bowed. "'As you please, Miss Gargrave. There is a question I wish to ask you. Tell me, did you have speech with Dick Bracknell last night?' "'Not a word.' "'But you saw him?' Yes, she agreed quietly. I saw him. You stood in the shadow of the trees at a point which would give you a clear view of the place where you knew your husband would be waiting for you, and you took your rifle with you. Why did you take that rifle, Miss Gargrave? As he asked the question, he saw the pallor of the beautiful face grow more pronounced. The frank blue eyes wavered, and for a second or two he thought she was going to faint. Then she drew a quick, gasping breath. "'You know these woods,' she said unsteadily. "'There are wolves and, and bears. To carry a rifle is the merest prudence.' A frown came on the corporal's face. He knew that the answer was a mere evasion, and he was not pleased. But he did not challenge the answer directly. "'Miss Gargrave,' he asked, "'were you afraid of Dick Bracknell?' Not afraid exactly, was the reply, candidly given, but I loathed him, and hated the thought of his coming into my life again. The corporal considered for a few seconds, and then asked his next question bluntly. Tell me, did you fire your rifle at all while you were out, or while you were waiting for your husband? As he made the inquiry, the girl came to a sudden standstill, her lips trembling, her pale face working strangely, the blue eyes expressive of an awful fear. He waited in far more distress than his impassive face indicated, and at last the answer came in a shaking whisper. Yes, I did, but, oh, believe me, I did not know that I had done so till afterwards. I do not know what happened. I saw him fall in the snow, and then I waited. I went up to him. He seemed to be dead, and after that I must have fled homeward. As he listened, the corporal visioned the tragedy of the night before, and as he looked into her troubled face, his heart smote him. His voice was almost sympathetic as he asked the next question. You say you saw your husband fall? Was it after your rifle was discharged or before? I, I do not know, the girl replied. This morning the whole thing is like a disordered nightmare dimly remembered. I know there was a moment when I was tempted to wickedness. There was a terrible hatred in my heart for my husband. And as I saw him standing there, it flashed on me how easy it would be to free myself from him forever. It was only a moment, like a sudden madness, and then I saw him drop in the snow. I do not know what happened, but this morning... I examined my rifle. Her voice quivered and failed, and suddenly she bent her face in her mittened hand and broke into a storm of weeping. The corporal himself was greatly moved by her distress, but the sight of it somehow relieved his worst fears. 
"'Miss Gargrave,' he said, hopefully, "'you examined your rifle this morning. "'Tell me what you found.' "'An empty shell in the chamber,' said the girl, sobbing bitterly. "'Yes,' he said quickly, a touch of excitement in his manner. "'And in the magazine, tell me quick.' "'There was a full clip, but for the shell which had been fired.' "'Ah,' said Bracknell, with a sigh of relief, "'I thought so. "'Now think carefully and tell me. "'Did you hear another shot fired?' "'The trouble in the girl's face cleared suddenly, "'and a light of hope flashed in her eyes. "'Why do you ask?' she cried. "'I thought I did, but this morning I could not be sure. "'I thought it might be the echo of my own rifle.' "'It was not an echo,' interrupted the corporal quickly. It was the discharge of a rifle. I was a little distance away, and I distinctly heard the reports, one so close to the heels of the other, that the two seemed almost like one. Wonder mingled with hope in the girl's face. You are sure, she cried. Yes. Then there must have been someone else, someone who fired at my husband, and perhaps I did not kill him after all. Oh, thank God, thank God. I hated him, and though I was tempted, it was only a flaming moment of madness, from which I was saved. You think that? Say you think that, Mr. Bracknell. Indeed I do, answered the corporal, reassuringly. I feel convinced of it. At first I was doubtful, and will own I suspected you. But your frankness in the matter has set the whole affair in a new light. A thoughtful look came on his face for a full minute. He stood there without speaking, and the girl watched him, wondering what was in his mind. Then he spoke again. The affair is very mysterious. There certainly were two reports, and only one came from your rifle. It is evident to me that a third person was in the neighborhood when your husband was shot. I have found the place where he stood, and I was following the tracks of a sled when I came upon you just now. The track is a fairly recent one, made, I should say, no later than last night. Possibly it was my husband's team, suggested the girl. The corporal nodded. That, of course, is just possible. But the man who took it away cannot have been Dick Bracknell. If he were not dead, and I am sure he was, he was certainly in no condition to walk away, and the team did not go away of itself for there is the track of a man's feet, both going and returning. If he should not be dead, faltered the girl. The corporal looked at her, and the sight of her distress moved him to deeper sympathy. He knew his cousin, and Kuna Dick's record in the territory was not an attractive one. He wondered how this beautiful girl had been induced to marry Dick Bracknell, and frowned at the thought that if he were not dead, she was still his wife. The girl noticed the frown. What are you thinking, Mr. Bracknell? I was wondering however you came to marry such a scallywag, as I know, Dick Bracknell to have been. Joy Gargrave flushed and then grew pale. I am not surprised that you should wonder. If you will walk on, I will tell you how, how it happened. Without speaking, he fell in the step by her side and waited for her to begin. End of chapter 5